0: Chapter 26 of Bon Marie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Recording by Susanna Mason. Bon Marie, a tale of Normandy and Paris by Henry Greville, translated by Mary Neil Sherwood. Chapter 26, The Return. It was quite late and very dark when the yellow stage halted at Amienville. One by one the passengers had been dropped along the road. No curious eyes had sought to penetrate the thick crape veil that covered Bonne Marie's hat and face. Either voice or accent was so changed that the driver had not recognized her. She asked him to take care of her trunk until the next day. He consented, supposing her to be a city lady on a visit to some country friend, and Bonne Marie found herself alone in the path that led to her father's little cottage. She opened the door with a trembling hand. A thousand recollections brought tears to her eyes, and a choking sensation to her throat, when the familiar air of the dwelling met her as she entered. Mechanically she found in the darkness the things she needed, but the wick of the antique lamp was dry, and there was no oil in the dusty can. She found a candle in her travelling bag and lighted it. "'Ah!' she exclaimed aloud, as a great weight seemed to be lifted from her heart. "'Ah! Why did I leave my dear home? Why did I dream of any other destiny? I am alone in the world!' tears streamed from her eyes alone without lover friends or family she threw her travelling cloak on the bed and yielding to the despair that overwhelmed her she sank on the hearthstone and laid her head on her father's armchair and wept as if her very heart would break every evening before he went to his bed when he was on the shore jean baptiste passed bon marie's home more than once he would examine each window, sadly, and then turn his face towards his own solitary dwelling, less sad at heart, for it was something to have seen the house. On the night of Bonmarie's arrival, he did as usual, and thought himself dreaming when he saw the lights in the lower room. He went closer and rubbed his eyes. Yes, the window was lighted, but for the peculiar situation of the house whose front faced the water, while Amonville lay in the rear, the whole village would have been unaware of this startling event. Jean Baptiste had not much faith in ghosts, and yet it was with a certain superstitious terror that he lifted the latch. The door opened, and he saw the young girl kneeling in front of her father's chair. The nervous strength of the evening before which had given her the courage to depart had now deserted her. She was weeping, helplessly feeling herself a rudderless ship driven on the shore in a tempest. She did not hear the latch, and Jean Baptiste closed the door and stood silently looking at her. His face blazed with savage joy. I knew it, he thought with an emotion that was almost vindictive. I knew she would return with that haughty head bowed. We are not good enough for her. She wanted city people, and I fancy she does not like them as much as she did. Bonne marie wept on. Sobs shook her slender frame. She had ceased to struggle, and only wished that when her tears were exhausted she could fall on the hearthstone and sleep. Or die. To the first fierce joy of seeing her vanquished, succeeded in Jean-Baptiste's heart an intense pity for the poor girl. He said to himself that she would never take the trouble to rise from that spot, and he started forward to assist her. Marie heard his footfall, and, much startled, lifted her head and recognized in that hale and hearty fisherman, the friend of her childhood, he who had watched over her with her father from her earliest childhood, The joy of being no longer alone, of seeing that there was yet one friend left to her, gave her new life. She rushed towards him with half-extended arms and fell on the sailor's breast like a bird who comes back to its nest. "'You are here, then,' said the young man gravely. "'You are here. Did they give you any harm?' "'Jean-Baptiste,' the girl murmured through her tears, "'I have no one but you.' "'You have no one but me, but can I look on you as I did when you went away?' If your father were living now, would you dare to look him in the eyes?' This was the second time in two days that this insulting doubt had been thrown in her face. Unconsciously to himself, Jean-Baptiste sat in judgment upon her. He had been sure that she would return eventually, but he had not expected her so soon, and his jealousy took precedence for the moment of his tenderness. But Marie, not loving Jean-Baptiste, could defend herself. "'If I had anything to blush for,' she said, her tears suddenly ceasing to flow, "'do you think I would have run to meet you? "'You were the last man I would have been willing to see.' He folded his arms around her with an air of proprietorship. "'I believe you,' he said simply, "'for you never lied to me.' She disengaged herself from his embrace and seated herself in the great armchair while he stood before her. How changed she was! And yet the change was indefinable.' but the girl's air and manner seemed to create new barriers between them. Silence reigned in the dingy room, a silence first broken by Jean-Baptiste. "'You are hungry and cold,' he said, "'and I am going to make you comfortable.' He disappeared and presently returned, bringing Wood and his own supper. The fire soon blazed and crackled, warming the chilled walls and giving a more cheerful aspect to this sad dwelling. Bonne-Marie tried to eat something, but she could not. "'You need sleep,' he said. "'I am going to make a fire for you above.' He ran up the narrow staircase, and she heard him a moment later making a fire and arranging the furniture. She saw him go out several times in return, but her thorough exhaustion prevented her from troubling herself in regard to what he was doing. She felt she had drifted into port, and had found a friend, and this, for the moment, was quite enough. She did not need to look further.' Finally, Jean-Baptiste came to her, and lifted her as if she had been a child, and bore her to the room above, where he placed her in a chair. This cleanly room told of a young girl whose home it had long been. It told of a life of self-denial and poverty, and was in strong contrast to that which Bon Marie had just left, and yet how the sight of every familiar object went home to her heart. She thanked Jean-Baptiste softly. He said good-night and withdrew. The fire burned with a joyous crackling sound. The window curtains had been hastily shaken clear of the dust that had accumulated. The pitcher was filled with fresh water, and the floor was swept. In a corner stood the trunk, which he had gone to find. How good was the heart of this man whom she had repulsed and despised, and who had, notwithstanding, taken all that maternal care for her comfort. She was almost tempted to call him back and thank him, but she thought him far away, For she could not hear a sound she opened her trunk took out some few things she needed and was soon lying on her couch weary and heart-sore and yet with a strange feeling of rest and security in her heart end of chapter 26 recording by susanna mason